Hey, Trailblazing Justice listeners, this is Beatrix, the producer of the podcast. Welcome back to another special episode of Stop Tear Gaslighting Us. In this series, we'll be taking a look back on the 2020 George Floyd protests and look at where we are now. We will be interviewing protesters who are on the ground and ask them about their experience. This series is to mark the two-year anniversary of the protests, remember what happened, during the summer in which studies shown Portland became the most tear-gassed city in America. We look at media portrayal compared to what it was actually like and what the protests may have accomplished and if the demands around policing were met. Join us to hear from protesters hopefully each week. Thanks for tuning in. Jump right in. Can you um, let us know who you are and a bit of your background? Uh, my name is Jedi. I my background. Let's see. Uh, like what kind of that? Like I have a lot of background. This who you are. All right. So um, I am. I rap. I'm a muralist, graffiti artist, and slash youth worker. Kind of all. Uh, all of them at the same time. And yeah, I live in Portland, making music, traveling, um, painting murals around the city, and uh, helping homeless youth get needs met. And yeah, I cook I cook with a friend too. Like we'll just cook a bunch of, you know, Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah, so I cook with him often and dis- distro uh, food to homeless camps and stuff like that, so. I got my hands in a lot of pots. Yeah. <laughs> so um, as we are coming up on the two-year uh, anniversary mark of the George Floyd protests, um, we're interviewing um, people who were out on the streets in Portland. Um, and so uh, at towards the beginning of the protests, um, what do you remember of your, motiv- your motivation and why you joined the protests? Well, <clears throat> I had never seen a, a black man killed on camera like that. Yeah. That's really what got me out. Like, I saw that video, and it was the most, like, I don't know. That was just crazy to see. And I was like, I need to go out. I need to go out there and, like, I need to go out there and just let my voice be heard. And I went out the first night and um, just kind of naturally found myself in, like, this leadership role where, like, I don't know. Once we started getting gas and the police started rushing and stuff, like I, uh, there's not a lot of black people on the ground, and it's like white people are just like looking for black leadership, like looking for someone to to lead them. Yeah. Uh, and me and another friend just kind of naturally found ourselves like leading like this pack of white people. Right. They'll like push you to the front to be be take the mic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not even put like we just naturally did it yeah. just because we had megaphones and shit so uh yeah that's and so after the first night um made like a signal group chat with like me kenzie and all these people and then uh just kept going out every single night after that yeah i didn't i I think i might have missed like like shit maybe three or four nights from 
was that May 31st up through uh, late July. Like I was out every single night. Yeah. Um, so with the national and the local um, reporting of the protests in Portland, um, there's a lot of, you know, Portland's on fire and it's anarchy and, um, you know, things are out of control. Um, what would you say to that with your experience on the ground? I'd say the media does a good job of pumping lies into the libs' minds because it's not true. We didn't burn down a single building the entire time. So I just think it's so funny when people are like, you're burning down our cities. It's like, no, y'all might have saw some stuff on fire. You might have saw garbage truck on fire, but it's just inaccurate. It's just straight up inaccurate. Yeah. Um, so uh, at these protests, um, what did you see from specifically Portland police officers? I know it was on multiple fronts where we were seeing violence from uh, the federal agents, uh, National Guard, from white supremacists. But what did you specifically see from PPB? Um, I saw some police officers on drugs for show. Uh, oh my god, there's like videos of it and stuff of them tweaking, but I saw a lot of violence. I mean, I saw a lot of like heartless, like compassionless, I'm just here following orders type vibe from them. Uh, just super like unnecessary pushing and um, beating on people when it was like you're only on top of this person now you're swinging at them. Like, what else do you want them to do? Um, I mean, just classic you know uh protecting and serving this <laughs> is classic yeah yeah um and i know like the media it uh portland drew a lot of attention because of the invasion from trump um what did you see on that front with the federal officers and people uh, and uh you know uh national guard what did I see from them? Like in comparison to, yeah. Uh, I mean, not not much of a difference. A cab, you know, all of them. <laughs> so they all kind of acted similarly. They, I mean, hmm. I mean, I would say like some of the DHS is because like, you know, a lot of DHS is. Like, well, so the officers that we were, like, battling against, like, some of them are just, like, National Guard, and they didn't know that they would have to be in the streets, like, battling protesters. So, like, the look on some of their faces huh. was a little bit different because, like, they didn't expect, it's like they didn't expect to be, like, battling their own countrymen. Mm -hmm. They were, if anything, they expected to be battling somewhere else in a different continent. Yeah. So, uh, seeing them kind of, like, feeling some kind of a way was interesting, but I mean, they were still violent as hell. They, uh, they still didn't really have much mercy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what did you see from your um, like perspective and your experience um, with the protest community? I know there's a lot that happened, but like kind of intra-community. So the beginning was a, uh, uh, pretty amazing. Well, I mean, for the most part, the beginning was really amazing because it's like everybody 
it's coming together for one cause and it's exciting, you know, meeting a bunch of new people who are so like just down, uh, you know, to fight, fight the power. And then, um, so like the sense of camaraderie was like super powerful in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, and it kept growing and growing for months actually. Um, and then, you know, once like the, once we, once like the nightly protests stopped, that's when like people started just eating each other. That's when they turn all that energy pent up and they're just turning it onto the nearest target, which is your, your, your own comrades. Um, and yeah, I guess, you know, for a lot of black people who are more front facing and more like outspoken, who kind of like found themselves to be this like involuntary public figure, which is like, kind of like what the role, like, like me and Mac fell into. Um, uh, it's, it becomes easier to like focus that energy on the, 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 uh, so-called leaders, you know? So yeah, definitely felt what that felt like. And that was not fun. Mm. Um, but I guess that's just how humans work, right? Like you gotta, (laughs) you gotta, you gotta express that anger somehow onto something. Yeah. And if you're ill-equipped and you don't have a therapist, you're just going to take it on whoever's Mm -hmm. closest to you. Right. Um, would you say that the protests in Portland achieved anything? If not, why? Um, let's see. I mean, it's hard to think of like tangible stuff, but like, I think it did like open people's minds a lot. It, I think, I think people got really educated on like, like the real nature of police. Like I didn't really mm-hmm. understand the true nature of them until all of this, because mm-hmm. I'd never had like a, super bad experience with a police officer um but after you get brutalized and like kidnapped um and you see them you see the things they do to your friends and um you start reading more you do your own work at home um but also like you get to understand like the way humans work more so like in in a in a long like when you look at it from a long game standpoint you see how people's characters transform and stuff throughout a movement how people switch um you see people's demons comes out so like it was mm-hmm. i mean it was very like valuable from like a life experience like knowing how to like no kind of knowing what to expect from people mm-hmm. i think that was helpful i think um i think that mutual aid would not be as strong as it is at all not even close if it wasn't for those protests um the outreach to uh, our homeless neighbors like would not even be close like I remember <clears throat> like prior to like what was that um I want to say like February March ish when we were when uh Laura Hurst was kind of like popping off mm-hmm. and they were trying to sweep them I'd never seen community defense show up to like protect a camp like that ever in my life and I don't think that would have happened had we not had built all that energy momentum and like friendship through fighting police so um there's been a lot of like little like affinity groups and like side projects and stuff that have come out of that Mm -hmm. but impacting the city as a whole not really i'd say just for the people that were more involved um i think it did it did expose 
PPB more. People people got to know more of like their background. The fact like Portland Police was like the first police union in the United States. Um, yeah. Like there's a lot of stuff that people learned. But in terms of like changing our tangible like material experience in the city, no. Right. I don't think so. Yeah. And that um, touches on the next question with, you know, since uh, the protest, uh, where do you see the city of Portland now? And um, where would you want Compared to, to before? Compared to before. And also, where would you um, like us to go as a city? Okay, so hold on. Hold on. So two ask, more ask questions. It, ask it again, ask it again. Okay. Since the protests in 2020, um, where do you see us now politically in the city of Portland? Is it, um, do you feel like there's backlash from the protests? Do you think we backslid? Do you think we're progressing? Do you think we've stayed the same? That makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. So community consciousness definitely um, shifted and changed, but how do you see leadership? Leadership? Yeah. Oh, it's still just as bad. Ted Wheeler's still under, like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, politically, like, I mean, I feel like, you know, I think, like, maybe some people got radicalized for show, like, maybe a couple hundred people Hmm. out of the 600,000 that are in this city. Hmm. I'd say some people were definitely radicalized, but, like, overall, like, the tenor of the city has not changed. Like, it's still uh you know it's still fuck homeless people it's still uh let's not get people housing you know it's 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 still pretty bad so right i don't know i can't really say that anything no i can't say i can't think of anything that good yeah i mean from some other uh interviews there's a protester who said uh that she thinks that things have gotten worse politically um, and nationally because of calls to defund, unfortunately, has been taken by the right and mocked, you know, and like there's more tough on crime rhetoric um, because of perceptions of crime, of like broken windows, uh, graffiti and like the fear of riots. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's something to pay attention to um, with legislation and it just like, yeah, I think our community consciousness as well, because I think it's grabbing people too, of like crime is up. And we saw that after the civil rights movement, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk on crime, war on drugs type rhetoric, and then mass incarceration and policing started to like their 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 budgets um started to skyrocket mm-hmm. and so i think it's really important actually in this moment to uh, like you know our our morals are being tested and i think as a city it's like there's the battle for the for our souls <laughs> happening and and um we got to stick to the demands that were um lifted up during that summer you know mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be nice to defund the police, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> they already have a very bloated budget, right? <clears throat> and like, I saw this statistic that was uh, in well, actually, the U.S. police like were the third largest military spenders in the world 
it's U.S. first by uh, by an uh, astronomical amount uh, with the military, China, U.S. police, and all the other countries. <laughs> U.S. police. Militaries and police. So then they're like, we don't have money. And I'm like, you all have too much money. And it goes towards like war weapons and and freaking like more technology in the form of reforms. God, so Fox I, News really does a number on public perception. Also Oregonian. Also, you yeah, know. I mean, just media in general. <laughs> All those major media outlets. So you, well, you, the crime rate is up. Well, you guys defund the police, so what do you, what do you expect? Like, oh my God, and cri- so dumb. Right, and then the crime rate that, like, it um, increased just a tad bit was due to economic downturn from COVID, right? Yeah, we see so that all the time. Stressed out. Stressed out and uh, violent crime rates since 1990s has only decreased. Um, it was, it like is at almost an all time low. And I think people really got to look at the data instead of, uh, you know, Parody media reports. That's a novel concept. <laughs> All right. right. So are there any um, concluding thoughts uh, just with your experience with the protests, what you would like the the people of Portland to know as somebody who was involved? Um, I don't really know. I mean, one thing that's interesting to see is like, It is interesting to see white people get all like jacked up and like excited to like fight the cops and shit. But um, you know, white people are just not like really built for like the long haul, is what I've noticed. They just kind of like fall off. Yeah. And so like if something like this happens again, I don't know. It's hard to like believe that white people will be able to like sustain their effort and um and keep it up without getting like a pat on the back, like yeah um or they they only like did like the black square on instagram yeah and to this day by the way if this, if this makes the interview or whatever yeah if you're a white person you still have the black squares on your instagram like that's just embarrassing bro. you just deleted <laughs> yeah and i'm like they can put you know blm and acab in their bio but i'm also curious to know what they're doing about it or a black lives matter sign i'm like I don't know if I see you testifying at city council or doing mutual aid um, or like doing any public education or organizing. And I think that's really sad that it's really performative. And Mm -hmm. it's also like in the the emotional moment, you saw that like in legislators where the city council um, had divested 15 million Mm -hmm. from PPV and they're flip-flopping now to increasing the budget. I'm like, what, what are your morals, right? Like they keep (laughs) flip-flopping just according to what's um, you know, what's what the media decides is important and like peer pressure. Yeah. I don't know. God, it's it's like, (laughs) what do we do all that for? Just for y'all to increase the budget. It's like, man, um but you know what would you like, tell the white people <laughs> who are listening so delete your black squares um give give like you need to be giving money to black and brown people black and indigenous people uh because 
we're owed that and like especially like the white people who like are well off they have money like you have a nice salary uh or like one of your folks die you're gonna get some giant inheritance like you should be giving just giving money to black people yeah because um yeah racism impacts people financially and economically a lot and a lot of people a lot of white folks have old money and stuff that they could be redistributing so i think money is a huge money is a huge deal money is a huge deal figuring out how to get money into black people's pockets so they're not struggling Mm -hmm. um and and money from you know military and and police and uh, corporations and billionaires. All that, all that is emotion. Because yeah. I, I seen that like the most generous people are poor people. Oh, As in, like course, there yeah. was a joke on Twitter that said, uh, "Mutual aid is just passing around the same twenty dollars." <laughs> yeah, it's true. Because we actually you need it one day, and then your you know your friend needs it the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, a lot of these other people who are so well off, they just can't. They can't even yeah i don't know i don't know i haven't been that person yet so i can't really explain the the thought process but hopefully they get get right yeah all right well thank you for your time yeah been listening to trailblazing justice this is beatrix the producer of the podcast hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of stop tear gaslighting us as well as our regular content from bobbin and eric thanks for tuning in